0: Hey everyone, my name is Paul Doherty, I serve as pastor at Victory Tulsa, and today you're listening to the third part in a series that I did with Bishop T.D. Jakes, an interview on leadership, entrepreneurship, from his new book, Soar. And he's uh, got this new book out where he talks about what it takes to build a vision from the ground up. This is the third part. If you haven't listened to the first two episodes from this interview, please pause this podcast right now go back and listen to those they are full of incredible leadership material to grow yourself as a leader to grow your company your ministry your business your connect group whatever it is the people in your life that you want to help develop as leaders go listen to those and then this third part this is the final part of this interview with bishop jakes We talk about what it takes to have a successful business, uh, how to make successful business decisions, uh, how to foster your creativity, taking steps towards the development of your dream, and the key to winning as a leader. There's so much in this third podcast. I'm excited for you to hear it. Let's get right into the episode today. Again, thanks for listening to the Learning to Lead podcast. This is the interview with Bishop T.D. Jakes. I love what you say in the book about preparation breeds liberation. Mm -hmm. And you talk about, you first talked about how you stare at a text. Mm -hmm. You prepare that text. Mm -hmm. But then when you get on stage, you can go anywhere with it. Mm -hmm. Talk about how that works with entrepreneurship, but share how you've used that, not just with preaching, but all the different entrepreneurial ways you've gone.
1: Uh, To me, most people have trouble in a business deal because they didn't stare at it enough before they signed it. Uh, if, if you stare at what you want to be before you try to be it, if you read everything you can find about it and get in circles with people who are doing it and just stare at it and understand it, if you understand what I talk about in the book about wins and trends, is it the right thing at the right time? That is important. It's the same way you do a text. You stare at it you just stare at the text. study it, that's good, but when you finish studying it, just stare at it because if you stare at the text, the text will talk back to you. It'll talk back to you. If you stare at the text and you see Jesus curse the fig tree and you see Zacchaeus a couple of days later, he calls him down out of the tree. And then a few days later, he is hanging on a tree. Mm. If you stare on the text, you will see it hinting to you where the story is going before it gets here. If you you stare at the text long enough, you will recognize that Jairus' daughter was born the same year the woman with the issue of blood took sick. Wow. What is going on between this little girl and this woman that while the little girl was going up, the woman was going down. And now they are on a collision course with destiny that is motivated by the action of a woman who refused to die. And Jesus wasn't even coming to her or looking in her direction, but she had an impulse that was self-motivated. No scripture for it, no text for it, no greeters welcoming her into it. She said to herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. Now the Bible told her not to touch. Leviticus, don't let me start doing that. <laughs> Leviticus says, don't touch. But this woman has an instinct that this is my moment. And if I don't move right now, I won't get in. I know he's a priest, and I know I've been declared unclean. By virtue of the law, I should be forbidden to touch him. But sometimes you have to break a law to get what you need. You understand what I'm saying? When I looked at the Wright brothers, I said, you know what? They broke a law because the the, the, the law of gravity said whatever goes up must come down. Wow! And everybody had been subject to that law until those boys got together and broke into a higher law called the law of aerodynamics. When the law of aerodynamics came, it was a higher law above a lower law. I think some of us are stuck in a lower law, a gravitational pull that keeps pulling us back to where we came from. And you can jump up for a few days, but it pulls you back down again. But I came to tell you about a higher law. Come on. That you can break that law and soar into another dimension and never come down again. Tell somebody say, I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down. There's something that I think God wants us to see about having the courage and the tenacity To own the creativity that's put in you by the creator. To move away from the pack and stand by yourself. And let God speak to you and show you why are you here? Why were you born in the family you were born, in the generation you were born, at the time you were born, in the circumstances that you were born, that the potter was so careful to carve you out a certain way where you don't need people, or you do need people, or you don't need validation, or you do need validation. He cut you up in certain places so that you would fit like a key in a lock. You're broken in all the right places so that when you find your spot, something is going to open for you. And when it opens for you, every blessing that's been closed out is going to pour in your dimension. You see what I'm saying? That's that's what I'm talking about. In the book, you
0: talk about Shark Tank. That's one of the shows you Mm -hmm. enjoy watching. And you see these people who come with an idea, Mm -hmm. a dream, a business and you see how they talk straight to them. There was something about that you shared in your book I want you to share with people tonight.
1: Well, more times than not, one of the first questions they will ask you on Shark Tank is, how much have you invested? And I see people all around who are trying to get people to invest in a dream that they have never invested in. You can't get this notion that rich people are just running around with money to give to people with ideas it was fabricated in a liquor bottle (laughs) because in real life you have to be fully invested in what you're trying to do whether you're trying to build a church even you're trying to build a church you have to be fully God kept me in West Virginia and in a particular part of West Virginia for the first 10 years of my pastorate, I didn't see over 100 people. Ever. Wow. Ever. For the first 10 years of my ministry, I taught Bible class to big crowds of 12. Yeah. Sometimes it'd be seven old ladies and two of them be asleep. And, and if, it were, if it were for this that I did it, Wow. I would have quit he hid me in obscurity Wow. he developed me in the matrix of frustration put me in there long enough so that I would know why I do it <laughs> it doesn't matter what you think it doesn't matter what you write it doesn't matter what you put in the paper. It doesn't matter what you say, because you're writing about 30 years later. But you missed the first 30 when my car was broke down and I was thumbing up the road to teach Bible class and climbing over coal trucks to preach and minister to groups of 20. Wow. You, 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 greatness festers in isolation and frustration. Wow. Wow. What makes you the man of God you are is never what they see you do on stage. It's the agony that nobody sees. It's the rolling over in your bed in the middle of the night and tears running across the bridge of your nose. That's what makes you a mighty man of God. It's never what you do in the spotlight. It's what you do in the agony of your womb. Twisting and turning in the matrix of development. And then out of that groaning and moaning comes an utterance from God that shakes the world. And that is true of business. And that is true of life. I was trying to start, we were, during, we were touring the country doing gospel plays. Sometimes it went good, sometimes it didn't. Sometimes we broke even. Sometimes we made money. Sometimes I was having to put in money from other places to keep the thing going. I had a for-profit company, TDJ's Enterprises, is older than the Potter's House. It wasn't built off the back of the Potter's House. It existed before the Potter's House. And I was doing plays and touring the country and renting venues and selling tickets and marketing the plays and doing all that kind of stuff and, and trying to figure out how, to, how that business works. Because in my book, I talk about every business has a language. If you don't learn the language of the business, you can't operate in that business because every business has its own language. It has its own ethics and it has its own culture. Culture are the, it's the rules that are never written. But if you break one of them, you get cast out of the opportunity. And you have to study it and stare at it to figure out not what you studied how it works. What you studied in a book how it works is not how it works. You got to get in that environment and stare at it. Because the book told you the organizational chart and how things were supposed to flow. But in reality, this person organizationally is not connected to the CEO, but they have his ear. And until you stare at it and learn the culture of it, you don't know how to do it. So I was trying to learn the culture of it. And I ran into another guy out there who was trying to figure it out, too. And, and, and we got together and decided we would do something together. I was trying to remember. Uh, his name was uh, uh, Tyler Perry. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyler and, yeah. Perry. Yeah, I met him right after he got through sleeping in cars and he met me while I was trying to put this business together and really get it off the ground. And we got together and we did Woman Thou Art Loose together and toured all over the country doing Woman Thou Art Loose. And we finally did it in Beverly Hills and a guy named Ruben Cannon saw it and said, I think that should be a movie. I said, that's great, but I don't have any money. Listen to how I think that's great, but I don't have any money to make a movie. He said, don't worry about the money, we'll get the money. I said, really? Listen, Listen at the conversation that we're having and the places we're coming from. Two different mentalities have clashed in an idea. One mentality says, I can't do it because I don't have it. The other mentality says, if you do it, you can can have it. So you're going to get the money as you go. You're going to get healed as you go. I didn't know anything about that. I'm talking to somebody. Somebody's got an idea right now, and you don't see the money to do it right now, but as you step into it, you're going to get healed as you go. Anyway, so we did it. We were going to put it on television, but we decided to enter it into the uh, Santa Barbara Film Festival, and it didn't cost much to get it in the film festival, and, and we put it in the film festival. Not expected just to get some visibility around it, maybe some press we won the Santa Barbara Film Festival. Well, when we won the Santa Barbara Film Festival, we said, let's put it on screen. And we put it on screen, 402 screens, and we put it on screen. And we put it on screen, and Sony Pictures saw it. And so Michael Linton, who was the president, and he is the president of Sony Pictures, came to me and said, I recognize your name from the literary world. I'm actually from the literary world. I know you're an author and write books. I know about your following and your crowd. I saw your movie. And I want to contract you to make movies up under our brand. And if you tell the stories, we'll write the checks. You'd be surprised how many stories you can tell. (laughs) You get real creative when a guy starts talking to you like that. And for the last 10 or 12 years, I've had a first-look contract with Sony Pictures and held on retainer for them uh, to to do movies and films for them. But I was healed as I went. When I start talking about business, it doesn't start out like it ends up. All businesses start out (laughs) (laughs) not-for-profit. They all start out not-for-profit. The Wright brothers were not the first guys to try to build a plane. But they are the ones who did it, and they are the ones who are credited for doing it because many people started, but they're the only ones who didn't quit. Wow. You only win if you don't quit. So good. You only win if you don't quit. If you go through the dark place and the tough place and the scary place and the flapping and falling place, and and though he slay me and though I'm broke, yet shall I trust him and though it doesn't look good. If you you really believe it and you suffer through all of that, after a while, if you suffer with him, you're going to reign with him. You're going to reign with him. Whether you started on the ground or you started in the air, every great leader will be tested by pain. Nobody escapes, no matter how talented or anointed or gifted.
0: I remember you shared on that when you came in 2009, two weeks after my dad passed away, and you talked to our church about, we're like an arrow being pulled back in a bow, Mm -hmm. and adversity had been coming, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and man, it was a painful season for me, but you spoke life to my soul, and I wanted to quit. But you made me want to stay. And we went through stuff I yeah. shared with you. Yeah. But I listened to your podcast a lot, and I read your books, and um, I don't know, just from a distance, your voice stirred me. Don't quit. Don't quit. Yeah. Someone out here is facing things. that's causing them to want to quit. Yeah. Because they're not seeing any breakthrough. And you said in your book, you know, this millennial generation, they want it fast. And I heard someone say, we're a microwave generation with mm-hmm. a crock-pot God, mm-hmm. and uh, he takes his time. Mm-hmm. And, man, thankfully, in this last year, there's been breakthrough happening in it. our church. it's, been, it. it's God, it's I Jesus. It. But I want you to talk to someone who's been feeling like it, because your book, it really gives that language to not quit.
1: The, the thing, the reason, where faith really becomes a valuable message to an entrepreneur. Because in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to get out of the nest. When the eaglet is in the nest, it doesn't have to fight for food. The mother brings it to it. But when you get out of the nest, you're going to go through fluctuations. You're going to go through fluctuations. And they always are are not always financial. Mm -hmm. You don't get to pick what he uses to shake you. (laughs) Nobody escapes. To all of the poor people who are looking at rich people saying they got away clean, they didn't have to go through anything. Yes they do, yes they do. They just didn't go through the same thing that you went through. Nobody escapes the dark room because if you're gonna develop the picture you have to put it in the dark room. In those moments of fluctuation, that's where God lives. Wow. God lives in the dark places, in the shadows, in the agony. He said, I am a present help in trouble. So if you're in trouble, you got good company because I'm there with you. I'm there with you. You don't have the right to stand and lead until you have stooped and suffered. You have nothing to say until you have cried and groaned and ran the other way and wanted to get out of it. You'll never be a prisoner of the gospel until you have tried your chains to see if you could get away. And so whether it is the death of a a sibling or a parent or a spouse or crippling disease or a financial despair or a public humiliation, the, the oil of the apothecary is made by the crushing of the root. If the root is not crushed, there will be no aroma. And when you start talking about business, There are crushing moments in business. There are moments that things don't work out. And the problem today is, it's not just millennials based on age. We have some candy-coated Christians who think that if something goes wrong, it's not God's will. Let me explain something to you. The emblem of our faith is a cross. Yeah. That's a fairly good warning <laughs> that what you are signing up for could get kind of bloody. If your master is hanging from a tree bleeding, hollering, follow me. That's a fairly good hint that this is not going to be a midnight party. This, there are seasons that try men's souls to the breaking point. And I think it's how God guards greatness to keep imposters from stealing it. He puts greatness behind agony. And if you're not tough enough to endure it, you'll walk away from it. That way the thief can't steal it. You have to pay a price somewhere in your life in order to be who you are. I realized, I realized in my own life that when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, that he wasn't talking about wood. Everybody in here has some kind of cross that you can't get off of, that you are nailed to, that doesn't go away a thorn that in your flesh that doesn't get healed, an agony in your life that you deal with in the secrecy of your own mind, a child you can't connect with, a spouse that wasn't what you imagined, a life, a relative, an agony that keeps you humble, that stops you from being arrogant, that becomes the gymnasium that your faith works out in. Everybody, everybody that is truly a Christian, in order to be in covenant with God, Abraham, you got to bleed somewhere. I may cut you in a place that they can't see, But if you are really in covenant with me, take your son out here and cut him where the people can't see. Because the sign that you are in covenant is that you bled somewhere. We call it circumcision. But it's bigger than the circumcision of the flesh and it's bigger than the nailing to wood. All of us have something in our lives where God proves himself to us through the suffering that we endure in that area. And he shows us that not only can he deliver you from it, that he can deliver you in it, and through it, and with it. Yes. With it. He says, I don't have to remove your thorn to make you a mighty man of God. In fact, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So I heard you praying, Paul, and the same guy who prayed and raised the dead could not remove his own thorn because that is what really produces greatness and crushes the root and produces the anointing that somewhere in your life Often where no one can see, there is an agony so that when you raise your hands, you won't be phony. And when you lift your hands and tears run down your face, it won't be because the camera's on. Because of something in your life and something that you remember and something that you know down in your soul has brought you into a relationship with God that you couldn't read in a book and you couldn't buy in a tape, you suffered. Can anybody relate to that? Clap if you can relate to that. And the reason that I thought it was important to talk about it in the book is because most people get in the business and the moment they hit a hard spot, they say, well, that wasn't for me. That wasn't for me. I see people 35 years old and they've been in 10 different businesses. I tried that, and that didn't work. Now I tried that for a little while, but I didn't like that. And I went over and did that, and they didn't like me. And I went over and did that, but that wasn't for me. I don't know, stop! Just because it's got a cross in it doesn't mean there's not a crown in it. Just because you had to bleed a little bit doesn't mean it's not for you. Just because you weren't comfortable flopping in the wind doesn't mean that if you, don't, if you keep flapping, you won't soar. I don't know. I have had the privilege of being around some of the most successful people in the world. I just amazing grace to be in the room. I've been around successful people just, just enough to know what that is and looks like. I don't know any of them that don't bleed somewhere that don't endure something somewhere. I don't know anybody who runs a corporation and that doesn't go home sometimes and says, how can I be so good at this, and so terrible as a father? Or so frustrated as a wife? There's gotta be something in your life that keeps you on your knees. And just because you have trouble doesn't mean you won't have triumph. They are measured together. In fact, in fact, it uh, w- used to be I could use this illustration and the women would really get it, but today we had these women who cook with jiffy, so they won't get this. But it- <laughs> to the older women in here, you'll know what I'm talking about. Have you ever tasted bacon powder? Yeah. Isn't that some nasty stuff? Yeah. Bacon powder tastes like strychnine. Yeah. It tastes like the baker is trying to kill you. And by itself, nobody would eat it. But if you mix it in with flour and shorten it and a little bit of buttermilk <laughs> and you knead it just right and put it in some heat, the very thing that tasted the worst is what makes the bread rise. That bitter thing in your life that tasted by itself, left an aftertaste in your mouth that said that's horrible, that's the very thing that makes you
0: rise. Me and AJ were talking about this right before we pick you up tonight. Okay. We're talking about your sermon serum solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the doctor who had Ebola. Mm-hmm. And the cure to it was
1: actually in the sickness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They cured Ebola with Ebola. (laughs) I was just at my doctor's office the other day and they gave me the flu to keep me from getting the flu. (laughs) They shot the the influenza in me to keep me from getting the flu. The serum for the snake bite is made from the poison. Jesus could not deliver us as the righteousness of God. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that as he was lifted up as the very thing I was trying to get away from, he was able to cure what I was into because he became sin that I might become the righteousness of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Come on, Jesus.
0: Wow. That was incredible content from Bishop Jakes. Oh my goodness. I am so thankful that he took the time to invest in my life, in your life, in our church's life, um, on the idea of entrepreneurship and leadership. That's coming from a seasoned leader. And if you've not been aware of who Bishop Jakes is and or what he's done, he has counseled presidents. He has counseled uh, some of the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor. He came from nothing, and yet God has elevated his platform, his influence and leadership in incredible ways. So I encourage you to go back over these podcasts sometime. Talk these lessons out with friends, with a family member. Wrestle with it. Think about it. Apply it in your own Life, And if you've missed any of our previous leadership podcasts, they're all available right on the podcast of Learning to Lead. I encourage you to go back, listen, and really talk to your team about what it looks like to lead today, to entrepreneur, to start something from the ground up. If you liked this podcast, share it with a friend, share it with your team, your staff members, your friends. We love you so much. God bless you. Remember, your best days are right in front of you. Thanks again for listening to Learning to Lead podcast.